0: Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. And that's why we're having this little series we're doing right now on, the, on, the, on the, uh, celebrating the, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation 500 years ago. Because it wasn't like this forever. I mean, in those days, 600 years ago, 700 years ago, The Catholic Church, they had the Bible. It's the Passion Translation of the Bible. The Bible was tied to the pulpit. It was in Latin. Nobody could read it. So you had to basically believe the priest who was talking about it. And it was tied to the pulpit. You can't even get it. Not this pulpit. A real pulpit. You know what I mean? Cathedral pulpits. You know, you can't, you know. And the thing is that you couldn't do anything. You couldn't read it. And so when the reformers, and and really happened with with John Wycliffe, when he says, listen, we need to get the Bible to the people again. And he translated the Bible from Latin into English. And a hundred years later, the reformers started to work and they saw what was going on and say, wow, we never knew this about the gospel. We never knew this about God. It was all lost. The early church knew. But through those years in the dark ages, no wonder they were dark, you know? It was really bad. There was no light. They didn't even know who they were. They didn't even know who God was. And so they challenged this thing. Now, I love the 62nd. Uh, remember the, the 95 thesis that uh, Martin Luther, through the postman, uh, put on the, on the door of the, of the Catholic cathedral? And there's 95 here. You can, you can Google on the internet. and so good. But the, the, the 62nd of that is a very famous one. And you'll see it up here. Is that the true treasure of the church is the, whole, the most holy gospel of the glory and the grace of God. And so, and so, and so the reformers, they start they ta- to challenge the beliefs of the Catholic Church, like purgatory, that after you die, you still got to pay for your sins, and you can get some letters, which are indulgences, and, and you can you know, work for them, you can pay for them, you can pray really hard to maybe get something, and you can be relieved from your sin after you die, and all this nonsense. And they said, we got to protest about this. We've got to change this because that's not actually in the Bible. And so that's why the whole Reformation came. That's why the Protestant church was birthed and born. Very, very powerful, and it changed history. Now, Martin Luther was particularly blessed through Romans when he read the Romans letter. And some of the things we did last week, and you can go online if it's online already, and... Um, you can look what we said last week but we saw that in Romans 3:21 now that apart from the law there is now a righteousness available to us through which the law and the prophets testified. All the law and the prophets testified to this time that would come through Jesus Christ when this righteousness would appear. And this righteousness is given through us by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And no longer it was keeping of laws, no longer rules and regulations, no longer letters of indulgences that these Catholics were doing in those days. No more like this. He says, no, it is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing for your righteousness, right? Let's say Jesus plus nothing for a moment. Jesus plus nothing, and that's the good news. Now the context is, and we talked about it last week. I'm not going to go deep into it, but that's very important. The good news of the gospel that is Jesus plus nothing, and that we've received His righteousness and a great new identity. The bad news is, of course, that there was something that happened. That, of course, that we said in Romans three twenty one, that uh, twenty three. Sorry, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That was the problem. The problem was that we, from the beginning after the fall, had a broken heart disk. Our spirit was. Could disconnect from God. It was a virus. It was a the hard disk is actually a really nice uh, picture that the hard disk was infected. It was corrupted, and so we needed a savior to change our hard drive in our lives. And we saw that we're losing the court case against heaven. That everybody stands guilty before God. There's no one right. It's not even one. But and that's what the reformers saw. But there's always a but in God. All have sinned, but are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives us his righteousness. Now, we have talked a lot about this in this church. You may be new to this church, then it's good because you have some new information about this. But I really sense that because of our identity crisis that many Christians are, I still have Christians come to me about the judgment of God and God have mercy on me and have mercy on this. All this language that is not New Testament language. And I'm worried about this because what actually happens is, for one, it's not true. But the second thing is, it won't necessarily, never really, catapult you into your destiny and who you are. And then to to, to do the works that Jesus wants you to do. Because you'll always be fearful. You think there's something wrong with you. There was a very strong word, the whole thing of unworthy. Nobody should feel unworthy in this place. You should feel right here that you are so holy and so righteous and so awesome. And we'll see it again today in Scripture and you walk in here and out of here with this sense of glory. And because of that, you'll be able to give Jesus glory because of what he has done for you. If you don't have that sense, you will never give him the glory that is due to his name. Never. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Because you think, oh, the more, more, the more meeter you feel about yourself, you know. That's a Dutch word, Mietje. The more, the, more, the more low you feel about yourself, the more glory you can give to God. It's actually not true at all. It's the opposite. God has given you so much glory. Jesus talked to God about this. Hey, the glory that you gave me, well, I'm going to give it to him. Remember John 14 15. It's awesome. But the thing is, that if you don't know this, you will not really be able to give him glory. Anyway, that's not the sermon, but I'm saying to you that's really good. And so, the righteousness by faith. Look in the Passion Translation. Look at this. No one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that has transferred God's righteousness into our righteousness. This means that our righteousness has nothing to do with our righteousness. Our righteousness has nothing to do with our righteousness. It will never. God has put his righteousness as a gift into our righteousness when we say yes to Jesus. And we receive this new nature, a righteous nature into our lives. This is very powerful. It says here literally, he has put it into our account. Your account is 100% righteous. And what he's done, you know what he's done? He's frozen your account. You can't touch it. You can't touch your account. By being good or bad, you will not touch the righteousness that God has given you into your account. He won't even touch it. Nobody can touch it. Well, that should make you feel happy. I'm glad that some of you are smiling at me. Because honestly, we've talked about this for a long time, but there's levels of understanding. Hopefully today there's levels of understanding you're going to come into, which is so wonderful as God prepares His bride, His equal partner. Amen? amen amen so faith alone in Jesus Christ we are 100% righteous forever and that's one goal Jesus died once for all and it's all good so we rest in what he has done for us you know the credit cards you know in the old testament do you know the old testament they were never actually forgiven all those guys all those years all these centuries we talked about last week. Remember, it says that it can never—he can never—because uh, the goats and, and bulls can never take away the sin. Remember, they were covered. So for centuries, they think they're forgiven. Actually, not. It was on God's credit card. It was just piling up on God's credit card. Somebody had to pay God's credit card once for all, one day. And so Jesus did this. The whole world. Think of the whole world, all the sin of the world, one credit card, all gone. Jesus paid the price and that's what says somewhere in scripture I want to do probably next week it talks about when he comes now he'll come back the second time he'll come back he'll come back with no reference to sin if you're not in Christ you are still under judgment because you haven't received his forgiveness he's made available to everybody in the world but it's only accessed by faith, which we'll see in a minute. I'll go Scripture. It's all Scripture. I love Scripture today again. I love Scripture. Maybe it's the most Scripture that you read for a while, but I don't really care, and I do actually care, because I think you need to read Scripture. People can talk about a lot of stuff, but it's in Scripture. So one of the things that we saw in in, in, um, in Romans, and uh, we just talked about three, now it's four. At the end of Romans, very powerful There's a powerful statement in in the end of Romans. And I did a whole series on Romans two years ago. So if you want to listen to the whole depth of this whole thing, go through the whole series again. But the thing is, though, he was delivered over to death for our sins. Listen to this. For death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Now, this is the two halves of the gospel. And this is not always preached. I always preach this at Easter. If you know me, you know I'll preach on this. Because this is a two halves of the gospel. The one half is the death for our sins. So the first half is actually the Good Friday, which is a good day, not a great day. It's a good day because that's really when He deals with your broken hard drive. He deals with your behavior. He deals with the sin of the world. He takes your broken hard drive and your sinful nature into the grave with Him. And then on Resurrection Sunday, that's a great day. Because on that day, He actually lifts you and raised you for justification, righteousness. And how has He done this? Is to give you a new hard drive. He gives you a new, He makes you into a new creation. That's why the two halves of the new covenant is always, and the reformers saw this kind of some level. I think there's been reformation since then, obviously. Revelation since then, obviously. But the thing is, they saw that two things are the gospel. One, total forgiveness. Two, a new creation. And they have to be together. Because if you just preach total forgiveness and you don't talk about new creation, you will sin again because sin has still got dominion over your life. Dominion over your life is only in the sinful nature. If you still have that Adamic sinful nature, you will sin because that's your nature. That's why we can't actually judge the world. It's really sad when they made stupid decisions and all kinds of stuff that happens that is not congruent with the Bible. But the thing is, though, in some way it's sad for us and it's sad for them too. But the thing is, though, they don't know what else to do. They are a broken heart disk. They're trying their best. But what comes out of it, what spits out of that computer is sinful behavior because that's how they've been broken that way. Now what happens when you become a new creation, everything is fixed inside and your new spirit is 100% pure, uncorrupted, pure New Zealand, pure God. Pure God, 100% righteous all the time in your bank account, in your spirit. What happens then is you cannot sin anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you can't sin anymore in the sense that you can't sin kind of some things that you do. You make some stupid mistakes. Of course, we all make mistakes. We all make little things. But you will find when you become a real born-again Christian that the, that the, 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 the sinful nature, the, 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 the capacity of sin is still there. But that sting is gone. You don't have to do this anymore. Now, our whole lives, of course, is then to renew your mind because there's still some stinking thinking. And you do some stupid things because I always used to do it. I still want to do it. But then things start changing. There's this war in your life. And so there's no such thing as cheap grace. People talk about cheap grace. That's nonsense. For one, Jesus paid for it, so it will never be cheap grace. But the thing is, though, you will never. Cheap grace is like you can do whatever you like. You hear those stories. Yeah, no, I'm free now because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace and righteousness. I can marry anybody I want. And then dump my wife and I can buy another one and do something else. And all that kind of stuff. It's nonsense. It is nonsense. Yeah. And we should discipline those people. It is not righteousness at all. It is stupidity. It's actually really, really bad arrogance against what Jesus has done for you. And we should always nip any of that kind of stupidity in the butt. And that's it. And I've said it. So, when we in our spirit, when we, when we are born, when we are, when we are so, so the thing is what you have to understand is when we are born, we are, the thing is, where I am, where I am, where am I? Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Okay, so, so what happened was, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get through a lot of stuff because there were so many other words. Um, um, that, so when, when, when Christ went to the cross, you have to understand that we went with him, right? Most of you know that, but I'm just saying it again. Uh, so when he was crucified, we were co-crucified with him, right? And so when he went into the burial thing, we were co-buried with him. When he was raised into new life, and you'll see it in Scripture in a minute, we were co-raised with him. And then when he ascended back into heaven 10 days later, he was, we were, come on, co-ascended with him into heavenly places. And that's why when you come into Christ, you actually come into him and then you have, you live in heavenly places in your spirit. That's why right now you can close your eyes and you're right there in heavenly places right now. And when you die, you just go from one to the other. You're still in the heavenly places. It's just your body just dies, but your spirit is still alive. It's straight there. The thing is, though, it's important for us to know this because so many, some people think that Christianity is just about faith in Jesus. Now, it actually isn't because demons also have faith in Jesus. They are fearful of Jesus, but they know Jesus. They believe in Jesus. It's not only about faith. Christianity is also not only about forgiveness. Good Friday, good day. It's good to be wiped clean. It's good to have all the stuff been taken care of and that's it, you know. But the thing is, though, it's not all about forgiveness. Christianity at the core is about new life. At the core, it's about new life. And that's why this statement, the core of Christianity is not behavior, but is birth. What happens is the birth, it depends where you are born. We are all born from Adam. When you are born as a little baby, very cute, but sadly you've got a sinful nature already. Inherited because of Adam and because of that whole penalty. That's the way it is. Now you can argue with God about this, but this is the way it is. Now we all come with a broken disc. We need to be safe. We need to be the corruption has to go, right? And so it's important that we know who we're born is. So you gotta jump the birth line. One day the bloodline has to be jumped. You gotta jump into first Adam, which is Adam and Eve, and what happened there, into Jesus, who's the last Adam in his line, in his bloodline. And when you go to his bloodline, man it's God. It's great, right? You are in this 100% good. So it's, it's about birth. It is really not about. So that's what Jesus says. If you're not born again, you can't even see the kingdom. People who are not born again, they're not going to be in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about little children and those kind of things. Kids and stuff. That's not the issue again. God has a lot of wonderful things. And there's so many people that I know who have been in heaven. They see their children who never made a decision because they couldn't make a decision. God is fair. He's righteous. But let's go stick with the Bible for adults who know what to say yes and no, right? That's all good. Born again. So Galatians 6.15 says, it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. He was talking, of course, to the Jews in that context because they thought circumcision was the thing. And uh, it's not the thing. You do the thing, but you don't. Anyway, that was a joke. (laughs) That was a joke, but only three got it. Um, Or maybe the others are just too embarrassed. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That is the core of Christianity. Now the rest of Romans, at least Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, he talks about these two races that live on the earth. You go through Romans, I, can't, I don't have time for this, I'm going to give you a little overview, but the reformers saw what changed Martin Luther and what changed the church for the last five, 600 years is this stuff. But some of us don't even know this stuff in details, so I want to say about this stuff. So it's about those two races, two family lines. And we see this first in chapter 5, only very quickly, don't worry. Very quickly in chapter 5, we we see this contrasting first Adam with last Adam with Jesus Christ. First Adam, Adam and Eve. Last Adam is Jesus Christ. We're all born in first Adam. We're born with a sinful nature. But we need to be born into, born again into a new creation, into a new bloodline, which is Jesus Christ. Which happened when you say, Jesus, I accept you by faith. And you will be transformed from the inside out and become a new creation. Amen. Then it says, of course, so in Adam we're lost, in Christ we're saved. Then in chapter 6, he talks about people's position. You're either in sin or in righteousness. The same thing again, not in both, of not a little bit one, a little bit other. You're either in sin, you're still in Adam, first Adam, or you are in righteousness. The whole chapter is done about in chapter 6. Then chapter 7, he contrasts being under the law or under grace. You're either under the law or you're under, under grace. You're not under both. Now the problem is that many men of the church, they try to be both and they go nowhere. Because if you go both, you really struggle with a lot of things in your life. You need to understand that you're one or the other. You're either in Christ, sin, you know, sinless and beautiful and holy and righteous forever. Or you are still in Adam, but there's no demilitarized zone in the middle of this, Right? There's nothing in the middle, chapter 8, contrasting in the flesh or in the spirit. You're either still in the flesh or you are actually in the Holy Spirit because you have been born of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Paul makes a very, very big deal about this stuff. A big chunk of Romans talks about being a new creation. Paul wants us to be established in this new creation. He says that in the end of Romans 16, 25. Now at the end of the book, he kind of says what he's doing in the book. He says, now to him who's able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Established. Everything is established in Jesus Christ. Everything, guys, is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has got to become bigger in your life. Jesus Christ has become, has become bigger in your life. I want Jesus Christ to become bigger in my life. I want him to become bigger in your life. You have to understand, established in the new covenant, everything that flows, proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And when we start to learn this, and when the penny really drops, it will change your life forever. And many of us have experienced this. But man, I meet so many people all the time still. I see it on Facebook, Some of the the way they react and the way they kind of do stuff. I said, are you really a Christian? You've got no clue what you're talking about. It is so sad. They need to understand scripture. Let's stand together. I'm going to read this together. I was not going to read it by myself, but I'm going to read it with you because you need to have a bit of a drug, drug boost. And the drugs is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. He's the best drugs you'll ever see, you'll ever experience. He just drugs your life, and he just kind of this, this, this. Romans 5, 1 to 11 from the Passion Translation. Let's read it together, not too fast, not like me, but we're out of time though, that's the problem. Here we go. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means you can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into His marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. There's more. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop on us patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads leads us back to hope, and this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the Anointed One Jesus came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration of the loud, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we are still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Come on, get excited. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dominion. And even more than that. We overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living in harmony with God, all because of Jesus Christ and harmony. Church went crazy on Sunday morning about gospel. Yay! Delfe, yeah. you may be see that. You may be see that. May God bless his word. Wow, this is so amazing. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Do you enjoy reading that? I mean, you got to read it at home again. Get the Passion Translation and read the whole thing again. Man, the first thing, that he declared you flawless. Now, I've talked a lot about innocence. Flawless. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Amen. Man, if, 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 if people at Hill Morton would know that in Jesus Christ they become flawless, it will pull them out of depression, pull them out of despair, pull them out of oppression, pull them out of sickness, pull them out of nonsense. If you really know. How flawless you've become in Jesus Christ when you were born again. It is right here in Scripture. This should rock your boat like nothing else will ever rock your boat, and that's why we're celebrating communion. I don't know about you, but I've been celebrating communion every day for the last two, three weeks now. Can I, anybody's done it? I just want to ask you. I was wondering who does. I thought you did. You're looking good, <laughs> guys. Can you imagine? if everybody would take communion every day in our church I challenged all of our leaders the other day up in the room there I said you guys let's go on a journey let's go for the whole summer take communion every day if you really know what communion means and what it does to you you will be a changed person you cannot stay the same when you acknowledge and you invite and by faith get the substance of God in your life every day Oh, Jesus, may you become bigger in our lives. True and lasting peace, verse 1. Permanent access into his kindness. I don't have time to go into this. It's unbelievable. I'm a perfect relationship with God. You think you've got a bad relationship with God? He says you've got a perfect relationship with God. So get with the play. They say, thank you, Lord. I've got a perfect relationship with you. I have access to your kindness. Incredible joy bursting forth from the inside. Now, we often talk about this. If you're not experiencing bursting forth of this river, which is behind your belly button, if you still, after me having preached this now for the last five years, if you still don't have this, then you still don't get it. It is in the Bible. It's an experience. You go to X2 church. They joyfully came together every day to have communion, the love feast, and communion together with joyful hearts, it says. It is such a joy. It is such a joy. If you don't have that joy, maybe God wants to still reveal more of himself. Maybe Jesus wants to reveal a little bit more about how amazing he is and how amazing you are, and you will start to see, wow, this is actually really joyful. Joyful. Very, very joyful. It also talks about some, some trouble here. Even in times of trouble, we have the confidence of God. All the stuff we just talked about. Even in trouble, there's a joyful confidence. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings. It's amazing, isn't it? I always looked at that like, you're insane. <laughs> Who would en- enjoy and rejoice in suffering? But he knows what, what stuff it produces in his life. He was smart enough and he had a relationship with God. And he knew that trouble will, if you have the right attitude, will lead you into greater glory in your life. It will help you to grow. You look at perseverance, character. Character building. God wants to build your character. He wants you and me to look like Jesus more and more and more and more and more. And so we change from glory to glory to glory to glory every day. Now, if we don't put any trouble into your life, I don't say God brings trouble into your life. I'm saying to you, if there's trouble in your life and things happen that way, if it happens to you, how else can you grow? We all go to the gym and we do this waste because you have this suffering. This, 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 this suffering. This suffering suffering because the muscles need something to go against you. So the things that are against your life, I'm not saying they're all all, all easy, but I'm saying to you, many of the things that we have in our lives are invitations for us to grow in our lives. And it depends on your attitude. If you spit the dummy, you can walk out and say, man, I'm going to say, this is too terrible. I'm going to go into sex, and I'm going go into drinking, and I'm going go into nonsense, all the stuff. And you get further from God, and you, you'll hate your life, and you'll hate other people. Other people will hate you. It doesn't work. Look, all these people around us, it doesn't work. Believe me, it doesn't work. Why don't we say, hey, trouble in our life. sometimes it can really bring us into a new place when we dare to handle this Righteously. And so, Lord, help me, Holy Spirit. How do I deal with this? How do I grow through this experience experience in my life? Invitations to growth as he wants to build your character. And Paul saw this. Paul saw this, an invitation to greater glory in my life. He's he's awesome, you know, in our lives. It says here it's not a fantasy; it is actually a reality. (laughs) Verse nine. I want to go quick. Verse nine, and there is still much more. Now, this 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 year we had the the, the theme of more, but I'm so amazed. Three times in this Bible, he says there's so much more. Here again, there is still much more to say, of his unfailing love for us. There's so much more to say. So much more to experience for us in his love. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. We saw this before. You are righteous in my sight. A beautiful declaration over our lives. Verse 10. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. Then something greater than friendship is ours. That's awesome. Friendship with God is amazing. Greater than friendship Is ours. I went to a wedding yesterday. They're friends, but there was a greater glory that day. They got married. They're not just friends. They're now married. They're like this couple. We're not just friends of God. We are the equal partner of Jesus Christ. That's who we are as his bride. And God sees us that way. And it will never be unequally yoked. He's very powerful about that in the scripture. Is an equal partner with us. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, friendship with us. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in His resurrection life, how much more, again, we will be rescued from sin's dominion. Again, I talked about this before sin's dominion is in the old nature. When you become a Christian, your old nature gets taken out. You are born again of a new nature. That nature is incorruptible. Then you jump the family line. You jump the thing. Very important for you to know this. And in that sense, there is no dominion of sin in your life. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. I've actually really enjoyed my journey of health. To not do certain things, not eat certain things. You know, and people said to me, I was hey, look so good, man. How you look so good all the time? I chose to not eat that rubbish anymore. So I look better, right? But what I found though, and I found it very interesting, it's not because I'm good, it's because of the choices I made. I actually could do this. I'm amazed that I actually can do this, and not even that, it's not even a big hassle for me. In the beginning, because I was addicted, see if you're addicted to heroin, it takes take you a while to get rid of it, right? If you're addicted to coffee, it'll take a while, it took me 10 days to get rid of it, headaches, throwing up, you name it. You know, it takes a while. If you're addicted to sex, it takes a while. Whatever you're addicted to, it's an addiction in your body, right? In your mind. You can't get rid of it. I am living proof you can't get rid of it. And the thing is, though, you are the better for it. So don't eat that bad stuff anymore. Don't drink that bad stuff anymore because you'll be so much healthier. And actually, be honest with you, people ask me the whole time, what are you on? I'm not on anything. I'm, I'm on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Serious. I'm on the Holy. Uh, Catherine knows. I'm on the Holy. I'm not a legalist. Somebody saw me having a cookie. That's sugar, Gideon. I say I'm not a legalist. Doesn't mean I never have sugar anymore. said, never a cookie. If I don't have sugar, my body will pff, cease to exist. You know, cease to work. Of course, I have sugar. But the thing is, though, not like all the stuff I used to have, all the drinks I used to have, all the bad food I used to have. All that stuff is measured. And also when I go to a party in Holland, when we have a nice birthday party, I will have some cake with cream. Oh, <laughs> uh. unbelievable how we are legalists, right? I mean, one day it's wonderful to have everything you like. Then you say, I'm not going to have this anymore. And then, oh, oh, you have this all, you know, it's unbelievable how quickly we become legalists, you know, it's unbelievable. I'm not a legalist. But the thing is, though, if generally in life you look after the things in your life in every way, you will enjoy life. And be healthy. Anyway, I'm almost done, by the way. But the last one's very important. And even more than that, it keeps getting bigger. We overflow with triumph and joy in our new relationship and living in harmony. Sorry, in our relationship of living in harmony, that's right, with God, all because of Jesus Christ. Now you know, my joy has increased. It's funny, you know, that if you discipline yourself, it is actually good for you. And the funny thing is you actually feel good about you. You feel actually good about the decisions you're making. And actually actually you get used to it and joy comes. Joy comes. Joy. We have so much joy in our new relationship with God. This living in harmony with God. And I really want to challenge you, please. Please. To start having communion every day. When I take communion, I say, Well, how do you do, Gideon? This is what I do in the morning. I get up, you yeah. know, have some water first, have four cups of water first. Bam, 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 bam. Very good few. And then after that, I say, Jesus, you are first in my life. You are first. Before I start the day with anybody else, I break bread. This is better by right. Last week was really, was like gluten free or something. These are, these are cheese cons. I said, "Is isn't even legal cheese cons?" <laughs> but they are legal. I'm just going to take, take a drink. That is nice. Now, what I do, I take the bread. I'm just saying you what I do. Maybe you can. So thank you, Jesus, for your body. Broken for me. Father, thank you that your life was broken for me. That I might have your life. There's this exchange that happened to me. Yes, I'm born again with this life, but I don't always see the manifestation of this life in my life. And so today I eat this bread because I eat your life. I eat your flesh. I eat your substance. By faith, I thank you for my body. that it will I'm still spitting here, sorry about that. Uh, that my body stays healthy. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you've given. You are the bread of life. And when I eat you, it brings health into my body. Thank you, Lord, that it brings health into my family. I thank you for my family. My kids, I pray for my kids. I pray for you guys. I pray for Catherine. I pray for all these things, right? But I thank you for this life. I share the life, the resurrection life he talks about here. And that is mine. And then I take the cup. I thank you, Lord, for... I'll do a lot more, by the way, but that's a a shorter version. And then i take the cup. I say, Lord, this is the cup of the new covenant in your blood. I thank you for the cup. This is the most beautiful cup in the universe. I thank you, Lord, that this cup brought me a new covenant covenant and the new covenant gives me new promises it says better promises remember than the old covenant and your promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ yes Lord I'm struggling with this less Lord you will provide all my needs according to you to your riches and glory it's a covenant promise that you've made me and you start talking about the covenant I'm still eating sorry you're talking about the covenant of his covenant over my kids covenant over everything in your life then you say, Lord, this is the wine, it's the new wine, it's a signal of your Holy Spirit who lives in me, this triumphant joy that lives in me. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this joy bubbling up. Lord, I know it's going to be a hard day, I've got some really important meetings today, but thank you, Lord, that you're going to be with me. Thank you that I stand and I'm covered, Lord, by your blood, I'm covered by your blessing. or like that. And for five minutes, I declare all these things over my life. Whatever, and it gets deeper and deeper because Jesus gets more and more awesome for you. I uh, thank you for his peace. I uh, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, joy, patience, all that stuff. Now, what I want you to do is the same. You can do it together with other people if you want to, but by yourself. Just go somewhere and take, take, a, take some bread, take a cup. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. And just basically have communion with him. The most important thing of communion is the love that you have with him. They say, I love you so much, Jesus. I love you so much. This is communion. As I'm celebrating this communion, the love feast with you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, through Christ I'll be brought into this dance of the Godhead, the perichoresis. like that. I tell you, I promise you, your day is going to be better. You start with him. I have seen it in my life this week. Last week. It changes your life. Now, I want to challenge all of you. I'm not going to tell you to do it. But yes, I am. I'm not a legalist, so I can't really do that. I invite you. Invite you. Invite you, please. Can you please join with me? Because I know it's going to be good for your health, for my health, for our health, the health in the world. Honestly, you go, you have a jump in your step when you go to work. Believe me, I've done it. Now, stand together. I had a prophetic word last night. We only have five minutes. That's fine. We've got some time. It could be a little bit later because there's so many other people who spoke. I've got my right to speak to And I'm paid for it, so I've got the right to go. Now listen, I really feel this morning, last night, sorry, and this morning again, I really feel claim your inheritance. See, through the blood of Christ and through this new covenant, you have an inheritance. Now we will never know the depth of this inheritance. It is very deep though. It's very profound. It's very awesome. Now many of us have not really claimed the things of that covenant. And I want to challenge you today to do some claiming. Some claiming, because it's yours. And don't don't give me this false humility. Oh, who am I? To this? Nonsense. You are a son and a daughter of the living God. Jesus paid. It's actually the opposite. You can honor him by claiming the things that you need in your life. Now it could be a claiming of sickness by his stripes. You were healed. And so you claim it. I'm spitting here, sorry, it's terrible. You claim it. Over your life, it could be a financial thing. I thank you, Lord, that you are my provision, and I claim this whole promise that God provides all my needs according to His riches and glory. Whatever your claim is, my business, whatever relationship, thank you for you're my healer, Jesus.